And let's give our full attention to now God's holy, infallible, and inerrant word as he speaks to us through it and by the power of his spirit. I am praying for them. I'm not praying for the world, but for those whom you have given me, for they are yours. All mine are yours, and yours are mine, and I am glorified in them. The glory that you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one, even as we are one. I in them, and you in me, that they may become perfectly one, so that the world may know that you sent me and loved me, even as you have loved me them. Father, I desire that they also, whom you have given me, may be with me where I am, to see my glory that you have given me because you love me before the foundation of the world. All things are lawful, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful, but not all things build up. Let no one seek his own good, but the good of his neighbor. Eat whatever is sold in the meat market without raising any question on the ground of conscience. For the, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. If one of the unbelievers invites you to dinner and you are disposed to go, eat whatever is set before you without raising any question on the ground of conscience. But if someone says to you, this has been offered in sacrifice, then do not eat it for the sake of the one who informed you, and for the sake of conscience. I do not mean your conscience, but this, but his. For why should my liberty be determined by someone else's conscience? If I partake with thankfulness, why am I denounced because of that for which I give thanks? So whether you eat or drink, or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Give no offense to Jews or to the Greeks, or to the church of God, just as I try to please everyone in everything I do, not seeking my own advantage, but that of many, that they may be saved. Be imitators of me, as I am of Christ. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Father, it is indeed your word. You speak to us today through it and by the work of your spirit. So we would pray now that you would open our eyes to behold wonderful things from this portion of your holy word. Seal it to our hearts and our minds. Please, we pray through Christ our Lord. Amen. Please, friends, be seated. We're all familiar with Ebenezer Scrooge and Bob Cratchit and Tiny Tim and all of the things that make up Dickens' Christmas Carol. I bring it to your attention today because it starts in the dark. Marley was dead. He was dead as a doornail. And this was the occasion for Ebenezer Scrooge, a sad old man, very little light in his world to begin the journey that would go from darkness to light. We light candles 
uh, every Advent. Uh, we remember that in Advent we start in the dark and we move toward the glorious light. Sometimes that light comes to us, radiance, glory, everything surrounding our, sentence, our, our uh, senses. Sometimes it's just a, a pinhole in the dark, uh, but there is the, the hope of light. But we also recognize the darkness, and, and we just want to acknowledge that for a minute. We, we recognize it in our private lives. We recognize it in our friendships. We recognize it in our neighborhoods. We recognize it in our places of work. We also recognize it in our public lives. Uh, we, we recognize it in the political climate of this country and around the world. We recognize it in the wars, the rumors of wars. Uh, there is darkness all around us in a world in which Jesus has come. In a world, to put it in terms of the series that we've been working on these past several weeks, where glory has been revealed in the face of the sun. Why is that? Why is it that we still, like Scrooge, uh, struggle with darkness? We struggle to see the light in a world in which Jesus has come. Some of it, of course, has to do with our own hearts. Scrooge had a journey to take. Uh, he, the ghost of Christmas past, reminds him, uh, was a sad little boy abandoned by his father, uh, left by his mother, uh, didn't have the opportunity to grow into a heart that could love and could accept until some transformation came to him. We, like Scrooge, struggle uh, to show the light, uh, even though, as we have seen here, Jesus has shared his glory with us. And we are called to glorify God in everything that we do. We struggle. We struggle with our, our own miserliness. We struggle with our own grumpiness. We struggle with people around us who are struggling. We live in a community of strugglers. And so we are struggling with the darkness, longing to see the light. This morning... Uh, I, I want us to, to grasp not so much glory obscured, which is where we started. Uh, I want us to recognize that when Jesus, who is the radiance of the Father, uh, who is the radiance of the Father's glory, as Hebrews says, when he came into this world and he unleashed glory like we saw last week, transforming all things, working in hearts, bringing healing, transformation, all of that that he gives that to us and we have the opportunity, the privilege, and the calling to be those very pinholes of light that help people, help us see the glory of the Father. Gathered a couple of texts for you here this morning that, that help make that point. But I think you can see this sort of propositionally uh, in a number of places. The, certainly that text in John 17, Jesus' high priestly prayer. So he's praying for his disciples and those who come after them. He says just so clearly, I have shared my glory with them. 
with the disciples, with the believers, the glory, and he puts it in these, you know, supernatural Trinitarian terms, the glory that you and I, Father, have had from before all ages. Now I have shared with my disciples, I've invited them into that glory. Paul says in Philippians chapter 1 that we, we have the mind of Christ. We read that. Let this mind be in you, which is yours in Christ Jesus. You could go to Acts 2, you could go to Pentecost, and you could see the, the rushing wind and the tongues of fire that come and settle, not on a mountaintop, like in the Old Testament, not on a, a tabernacle, not on a temple, but that actually settles on the believers. This is the Shekinah glory, the glory that would, would bring awe to the people of God now taking up residence in the hearts of people. And that's, that's who we are. That's who we are. And, and so our invitation is to be those pinholes of light that everyone can see the glory of God. So this is the glory lived out. And I want to ask us a couple of questions. What does this mean from us, or what does this require uh, uh, of us? And, and the first answer to that question is only everything. <laughs> Not much. Uh, only all things as we live out. You see that in, in the text from Corinthians, right? Many of you are familiar with this. So whether you eat or whether you drink uh, or whatever you do, do it all to the glory of God. Earlier, verse 26 says, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. There is nothing in our world or in our life uh, that is not glory worthy. There is nothing that is not significant. Remember, we talked about glory as being uh, that concept that talks about weight or significance. Uh, everything that we do has significance in terms of the broader kingdom, in terms of the story that is being told through Advent and Christmas. Everything that we do, so whether you eat, whether you drink, whatever you do, do it all to the glory of God. This, of course, is uh, both exhilarating and potentially exhausting. Uh, it, it's exhilarating because it means literally that everything, that your sports and your music, your politics and your friendships, uh, the, the way that you celebrate Christmas, the, the way that you drive uh, here and there, everything that we do is in this comprehensive aspect of glory. Sometimes we, we want to restrict the, the concept of of sharing the glory, of being the, the lights of glory. We want to restrict it to things like morality. It's telling the truth, and it's doing justice, and it's loving mercy. It's certainly not less than, than those things. That, that is a part of it. Uh, we are called to be righteous. Notice, uh, Paul says, imitate me as I imitate Christ. Uh, we are to be people... And that's what we're called, Christians, little Christ, who imitate him, who is full of mercy, full of grace, full of truth. Uh, but it's in 
all the aspects of our life and our vocation. We, we use that word oftentimes in Christian circles rather than jobs because the way that we live is so much more than a job. It's so much more than just drawing a paycheck. It's so much more than just conducting business. It, it's a vocation. It's a calling. Uh, that's what vocation means. And in it, in doing that, in the execution of our business, in the making of deals, uh, in, in, the, in the cleaning of our homes, in the caring of our kids, in, in the way that we keep our gardens in the summer, in the way that we foster community in our neighborhoods, these are the things that we are called to be pinholes of light, exhibiting the glory of God in the midst of a world that is desperately, desperately stumbling about in the darkness. There is nothing, nothing that is not glory worthy. Everything has significance. One of the things that I uh, was reflecting on just as I thought about this, you know, it's easy to talk about morality. It's easy in some sense uh, to broaden things out to the everything. But do we even think about glory in terms of participation in things that are extraordinary? Uh, not just the ordinary things of life, but the extraordinary things. You know, when Jesus talks about sharing his glory with us, one of the things that Jesus does that exhibits who he is and what he came to do was to forgive sins. Like, he, he forgives them. He, he really wipes them away because he bears the, uh, the cost of those sins. But he invites us to forgive sins. Now, we don't forgive them in the same way that he does because he's the one that, that paid the penalty and bore the cost. But because he has done that and because he shares his glory with us, we have the opportunity to do some really extraordinary things. Like, have you thought about that? You know, like the opportunity that you have day in and day out with your loved ones, with your friends, with your family, to actually forgive them to move on. There is glory there that we share. Jesus came to crush the head of Satan. You know, we, we as ones who share in his glory have the opportunity in, in, in our ordinary lives to, to strike a blow at evil. I think sometimes we, we forget that. We, we forget just who we are in Christ. We forget the glory that he has given us. You know, when we see those tongues of fire at Pentecost and we hear the words that Jesus says, the glory that I had, I now share with them. Whatever you do, only everything, <laughs> only all, and only others. I, I, I love these passages. Uh, I love and am overwhelmed by the passage here in, in 1 Corinthians, uh, verse 24, let no one seek his own good, but the good of his neighbor. And then Paul sums it up in verse 33, just as I try, you know, or verse 32, give no offense to the Jews or the Greeks or to the church of God. So that's everybody, right? <laughs> the Jews, the Gentiles, the church of God. I uh, give no offense, just as I try to please everyone in everything I do, not seeking my own advantage, 
but that of many, that they may be saved. This was what we read in our call to confession, Philippians chapter 1. Jesus, who did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing. He emptied himself, taking on the form of the servant. This is the heart of the incarnation is that as we seek to live out and share, be the pinholes whereby people can see the glory of God, as we seek to live that out, it is this invitation to a, a life that is other-centered. Uh, or as uh, Keller, uh, Tim Keller put in a book, it, it's the blessing of self-forgetfulness. Uh, there is the invitation to be so focused on the needs of others that we no longer have to think uh, about putting ourselves forward. Uh, we can listen instead of talking. We can seek to understand uh, instead of making sure that we are understood. There is a blessing uh, in thinking of others. Here is one way that our brother puts it. In, in that book on self-forgetfulness, the thing that we would remember from meeting a truly uh, gospel-humbled person is just how much they seem to be totally interested in us. Because the essence of gospel humility, where we see the glory of God, it's not that we think more of ourselves or less of ourselves, but it's actually thinking of ourselves less. Gospel humility is not needing to think about ourselves, not needing to connect things with myself. Uh, it's an end to such thoughts as, here I am in this room with these people. Does that make me look good? Uh, do, do I want to be here? Is this of some benefit to me? True gospel humility means that I stop connecting every experience every conversation with myself. In, in fact, I stop thinking about myself. It's the freedom of self-forgetfulness, the blessing of self-forgetfulness. And this is what Paul is saying. He's saying if we, if we want to be those points that are exhibiting the glory of God, we think about it comprehensively in terms of everything that we do, and we think about it in an other-centered way. It's a way that is not focused on our needs, our wants, our desires. Look at me, listen to me, understand me. But it's a way that, by God's grace, is so other-focused. Think about this in terms of your holiday celebrations. I know that these can bring up our blood pressure. Uh, and anxiety for, for certain folks in certain situations. There are times of great joy, to be sure, uh, but we have our insecurities that come out, whether it's in our families or whether it's with our friends. Uh, and, and the idea that you, as one for whom God has shared the glory with, can go and can completely focus on the other people, that you don't need to be seen. Uh, that, that's a tremendous, tremendous thing. And I think about this, you know, obviously we all uh, sort of approach this in different ways, young and old. Uh, this is something that all of us, I believe, can aspire to. 
uh, young and old, uh, shy and bold. Uh, how is it that we can really focus on somebody else, asking questions about their life, being interested in them, uh, finding a way uh, that they can see the glory of Christ? And that's what we're asking ourselves. How can we do that? You know, how in the world, Vandermoss, can I be comprehensive and other-centric? Because I don't feel it. I mean, you're telling me that Jesus shared his glory with me, but I don't know if I believe it because I know my own heart. If you really knew what was going on in the depths of my heart, you're thinking, I'm thinking. If we all really knew that, if that were public knowledge, we would not be so optimistic uh, about being pinholes of light. But here's where we come to this last idea. Only all, only others because of only one, and that is the Lord Jesus. He is the, uh, he is the fulcrum on which the whole universe hinges. He is the one that makes this kind of thing that we've been talking about, not just uh, pie-in-the-sky Pollyanna talk, he is the one that makes broken people like you, me, and Scrooge. He is the one that can transform a heart of stone into a heart of flesh and give us real hope. What does the prophet say? The prophet says, a people who have walked in the darkness have seen a great light. And he goes on to say that that light is a person. That light is a person who is our wonderful counselor. He is full of wisdom. He is the one who can guide us along the way. He is the one who knows just how to calm our anxieties. He knows just how to quell our fears. He's our mighty God. He brings us hope. Uh, when we are in a world uh, where the, the politics are crazy, a president has been impeached, when they, we see wars and rumors of wars around the world, when we see all of these things, we realize that we have a mighty God, uh, that our health that we're so concerned about right now, He is the great physician. There is nothing that is outside of His omnipotence, His power. He is mighty. He gives us hope. He's our everlasting Father. You know, in a world where we grieve over loved ones lost, in a world where we grieve relationships that are, are broken uh, and, and diminished, and, and we are feeling that as we go into the season, we're, we're feeling that loss. We have an everlasting Father. We know the love that will never leave us, never forsake us, always hold us. He is the Prince of Peace. In a world that's filled with racial tension, in a world that, that sees these wars, rumors of wars, He has broken down the dividing wall of hostility that separates us. He is the one on whose shoulders is the government of all of this world. We need not fear, we need not worry, because He is the Prince of Peace. 
He is the one that has taken the thorns of our labor as we move forward by the sweat of our brow. And he has taken those very thorns into his brow. And, and the blood has flown down his, uh, flowed down his face and from his hands and from his feet and from his side. And we recognize that he is the hope that we have in the midst of the darkness. He is the one uh, that because of his cross, because of the resurrection, because he has now ascended and is seated on the right hand of God, it is his glory that is our hope. It is his glory that is the fuel. It is his glory that flows through us. It is his glory that we can offer to a world. And this is why Jesus can come to us and say, the glory that I have, I now share with you. And I am praying that you would go out and that you would be those points of light. That you would, through your life, through your words, through your relationships, in everything that you do, that you would share this glory and that you would invite and point people to the Savior. And this is, this is the heart. This is the heart of Advent. Uh, the people walking in the darkness have seen a great light. You see, if it's up to us, and if it's about us, if, if, we're, if we're trying to be these people because it's going to merit us something, we're, we're always going to fall short. But if Jesus has done it all, and he has shared it with us, we have the freedom and the power and the hope to actually go out and to be the points of light. <clears throat> Here is, again, from Tim Keller, thinking through this idea of how do we do this. It's because he loves us, because he accepts us, because he has finished the work. We don't have to do things to build up our resume. We don't have to do things to make ourselves look good. He has done that all it is completed, but now we, who walk in his train, who has received his glory, who, who live a life of repentance, coming back and say, not to me, but to you be the glory given. Uh, we can do things simply for the joy of doing them. We can do things uh, not to feel better about ourselves, not to fill our own emptiness, but to shine forth the light of Jesus' glory. I ran into a story uh, this week that I think in many ways illustrates this very well. A woman by the name of Auburn Sandstrom shares this story. She talks about uh, the night when she was laying fetal position uh, in her apartment in Ann Arbor, Michigan. She was 29 years old. Uh, she was married in an abusive relationship. She was addicted uh, to a substance. Uh, she had a, a small child, and she knew that her life was going absolutely nowhere. She had nowhere to turn except she had this number 
on a piece of paper that her mother, who she hadn't talked to in years, had somehow gotten to her uh, some years before. And she had kept it, folding it, unfolding it, almost obsessing over this piece of paper. But she had never called it until this night of absolute desperation. And in this night, she took the number and she called it, believing that that her mother had given her a number to a Christian counselor. And she dialed the number. And she, you know, the, she hears the phone ring, and finally it's answered. It's about two in the morning, and she says, "Hello, I got this mother or this number from my mother. I'm wondering if you could help me." And she hears some rustling, and uh, the person says, "Well, okay, tell me what's going on." And, and she spilled out all of her darkness, all of her hopes, all of her fears. She spills out the fact that her husband was actually abusing her, something that she hadn't told anyone, that she was actually addicted, that she did, she was scared that she was going to lose her child and all of these different things. All of the, the dark night of the soul came rushing out of her. And they talked for several hours. Uh, and finally she says, well, you're a Christian counselor. You know, aren't you going to give me some Bible passages or something to read? Aren't you going to, uh, you know, because I'll do it. I don't really care. Who's I, I, I'll do whatever you want me to do. And finally, the, the man said, well, don't hang up. I thought it might come to this, but you've actually called the wrong number. But her response was, and I think this is so true, she said, I didn't care who he was, but I needed to believe that there was some light in the darkness. And I never talked to that man again. I never heard from him again. I'm not even sure I followed a lot of his advice. But I saw that there was light in this world. And I knew that it was for me. Here is a quote from her. In the deepest, blackest night of anxiety, it only takes a pinhole of light and all of glory can come in. Brothers and sisters, this is our invitation. In the midst of a world that desperately needs to be to reflect the Lord Jesus Christ, who is the radiance of the Father's glory. He has shared it with you. He has shared it with me. Praise be to Him. Father, as we take these thoughts in, what it means to be pinholes of light in the midst of the darkness, we pray that you would continue to enlarge our hearts with the knowledge that it's not to us, but it's to the Lord Jesus Christ, the one who has run the race and who has finished the fight. And because of that, because of that, your glory can shine through people uh, like us. We pray now that you would uh, increase our faith, help our unbelief, that you would convince us of this through the Lord Jesus. We pray it all in his name. Amen.